Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome back to Inside the Firm. Finally, we are back at HQ. How was maternity leave, Al? Uh, good, good. Um, man, How's a new did- baby? Tell us all about him. So it's baby Atom, A-T-O-M. Congratulations. Yep. He's doing great. The birth was easy. I was even during most well, of it. Oh, the birth was easy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify. <laughs> for me, for me, I was watching Practical Jokers nearly the whole time. <laughs> what is Practical? Is this, this is like, are you just like Googling it on YouTube? Is no, this, it's or a is show. This, this is an actual show. Because so you like, guys have satellite. So it's like four friends. So imagine me, Maddie P, Caleb, and yourself, yeah. right? They've been friends since college, and all they do is try to embarrass each other. Nice. So that's the whole show. Nice. They'll go to a mall, and like they'll have an earpiece, and like we'll be sitting up top, and we'll have Caleb down there. You know, we'll say, "Go talk to this guy and say this," and he has to do that's it. That's our thing. And if they lose, and you were just enjoying yourself, so funny, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Back to the kid. Kid is great. He's he's moving his legs. Uh, he's big, bigger than Atlas, which is my original. My OG. So is Atlas, let's break this down, right? So Atlas, he's going to be the running back, and Adam is going to be what, the quarterback? Have you even thought about that? You were going to raise a kicker, weren't you? This is what's funny. Atlas is bulkier. So he could be the running back. And he's. I think he's going to be a shorter dude, which is totally fine. Yeah, running back. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, Barry Sanders. Looks more like me. And my dad was a QB, and I should have been a QB. But I just railed against, I did the opposite of what my brother did. Right. But man, I like it. QB running back combo. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, co- or punter and kicker to be safer. That's what, and that's what I'm saying. I thought you were going to do punter kicker. Yeah. yeah. Man, well, it's good to be back inside the firm, both of us. Uh, Lance has been out, you know, trying to have a, a building baby. Two, yes. two building babies. Yes. Uh, out there crushing it with, with all the guys uh, doing the thing and gals and gals. There's actually, we actually, uh, we, have, uh, we, have, we have a gal here and there on the job site. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, I have a question for you. Yes, has your boss ever asked you to put together CAD details for your firm's next project? Yeah, and I told him to f off. But but, <laughs> but you're the boss. Oh yeah, I am the boss. I yell at myself sometimes. Well, let me tell you what. What's your next step? Is it using a basic internet search a search to only find outdated or incompatible details? Yes, actually, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a better. Literally. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Perhaps uh, grabbing the details from a last project and hoping they fit. Yes, do that too. Well, let me tell you, Al. There's an easier, faster, less stressful way to get the information you need. Did Love you know it. that? Nope. Well, I did actually. So I'm lying. Arcat.com. Bam. Arcat.com, baby. Arcat is the number one most used website for finding building product information and has over fifteen thousand CAD details based on real manufacturers' products. Use their powerful search engine to find the right files for your project. Best of all, it's free. Free. Free, Al. F-R-E-E. If you, you don't even have to register. Just go to arcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com and start building better content now. Know what I love about their details? Because a lot of times we talk about details and, and I have people reference a past project or go Google stuff. 
if our cat has the actual manufacturers and a lot of times they have the bim too so it's like a double whammy the bim and details come on and if you're doing what we're doing architect as developer slash contractor i'm telling you you got to have those details you got to be able to know what oh. manufacturer you're using right away because you know what plumbers want to know it you know what electricians want to know it you know what hvac people want to know it you know what carpenters want to know it so go to rcat.com yep don't waste your time yep so that if you are doing everything, how do you do everything? I remember, uh, I think it was Mark LePage. You don't sleep very much, that's for sure. Yes, yes. And he he said, I think we were on his podcast or he's on ours. He, uh, <clears throat> he has the Entree Architect podcast. Go check him out. Go check out the Facebook. But he's like, how do you guys do all everything, right? How do you do? So we teach. We have a firm. We're design building. We have other side projects. We have this podcast. We have this project. We have families. We have families. We have babies. We have babies and you have to, and I, I don't want to give the wrong impression because there's times when we're doing everything and then there's times when we're not doing everything. So for example, in the fall, we'll be teaching two classes, wrapping up building, um, and, and running the firm, right? So that's, that's the three things, but some people are trying to start a firm, but they also work at a job. And a lot of times we'll just say, Hey, you know, make time, carve time. Do, do, do both of them, like do your night gig while you're doing, you know, your, your work at, at the firm, but there's times, and this is where balance comes in. There's times when projects are so big, right? Because when you want to start your own firm, it's for a couple different reasons. It might be for freedom. It might be for money. It might be for both, right? So this project, this design build project is so big that I had to cut back some extra, extracurricular activities like space. Like, you guys don't even know about the space stuff that's happened. Yeah, Lance had to cut back his politics, honestly. I had yep. to just, just so you know, like, I, I took that email that I run off. I don't, I look at it once a week now. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Yep, yep. And then the, um, there was some free work I was doing for the for the city. Um, uh, there was probably two. There. Oh, the, for your city, yeah. Yep. There's was about four different things that I had to cut out of my schedule. Um, to make room for this. Now, will I add them back in later? Yes. Hopefully, because they make you happy, right? They make me happy. But but some of them is like Mark's course. I like taking Mark's yeah. course. Enix's course. I like taking th- their course. And, and, you know, because logic is always make time, always make time. You know, because those courses help you make money. I'm going to get back to those courses because they're going to help, you know, run the uh, everything smoother. But... If you have such an elephant in the room that now you're splitting it up and dissecting your time too much that you don't take care of the elephant in the room, you're going to get so stressed that you can't do anything. You're going to start and, you're going to start having itching arm syndrome like yeah. Lance has. And you're going to drop the ball. You're going to drop the ball. Absolutely, the you're going to yeah. drop the ball. And you're going to cost yourself all kinds of money. Yep. It, it's a problem. Yep. So be aware not only of like how many projects you're doing but the weight of those projects. When right? do you, when here's, here's the, here's my question to you is when do you make that decision, that tough decision? Like what, if you could give advice to anybody else, is there a, just a certain point where you go, Oh God, okay. I have to cut, I have to cut X, Y, and Z out to focus on M. I, I'm going to do a rule of thumb and you can correct me out of this because this is a off the cuff questions. When the potential, uh, profit is more than your salary. Okay. Then cut the shit. Cut cut the cut the crap. Does that that sounds like a good rule? I don't know if that's exactly correct, but like, 
you have a potential project that will make more for you with this project than you'll make the whole year. Yeah. Cut the crap. Cut the crap. Yeah. I, my, the way I would answer my own question is <clears throat> if you start to have physical, if there's, if you're starting to suffer physically, I'm serious. Whether it's like a my, you start to get migraines. Um, my, I'm not joking about the itchy arm. For some reason, my left arm, forearm, it's been getting consistently better because I've been getting more help on the job site. Because Al said, you know, he just explained how we're cutting things out for now until we until we finish this this big big development project. Um, but I started to get this like it just started to itch uncontrollably on my arm, and my wife was like, "Jesus, what's going on?" I'm like, "I don't know. I think it's stress coming out." Uh, I was starting to get chest pains. Those have those have subsided. Uh, so any kind of physical things like listen to your body and be in tune with your body and understand that you have to, you're probably still going to lose sleep and you know, that is what it is. It is what it is. When you have a baby, you lose sleep. So I I think those two are a good, good rule of thumb, a physical manifestation or a doubling of your income. Yeah. There you go. There you have it. Al, I have some, I have some really cool things that I'd like to share with everybody. Things, things construction has taught me, sort of re-taught me, but that also, um, new stuff. That I think we should put on our drawings from now on, or, or at least be better aware of. Um, th- th- this this development project has been fantastic for that. Yep. And the first one is, so I'm just going to list some things off. There was actually we actually had a really nice review the other day. Um, I mean, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, one of our one of our last reviews on iTunes, um, where a gentleman said that he's he's taken like six pages of notes uh of enlisting which was which is awesome so i'm like oh my god that that that's fantastic i hope i hope other people take notes so if you're listening and you're thinking about doing something like this let's see here it was it was uh it was uh from capital a architect i love it <laughs> he said as a fellow architect in california business owner it's refreshing to hear your success and how you navigated the hurdles of ownership along the way thanks for the gold nuggets of info i literally have six pages of notes from your podcast thank you for that five-star review if you haven't left five-star review please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star review uh, we have 64 ratings, BR 65th, Al will send you a book for free. Yep. So the first thing is a UFER. And Al, you know about this, right? I the, do. The UFER is an electrical earth grounding method. It's developed in World War II. It uses concrete in case electrode to improve grounding in dry areas. Basically, to dumb it down, it's, it's a piece of rebar that you run 20 feet lengthwise in the footing, and then it comes up out of your wall, and that's what they use to ground your building. It makes sense, right? Um, for to keep it <clears throat> to keep it grounded with all the electrical systems and everything. We should start putting those on the foundation plans. Yes, um, we should. It just it, it should just be a note. There should be a standard detail. This is a no brainer because I'm finding that you know foundation guys are like, where are you putting the UFER? Oh, shoot! It's not on the drawings. What a dumb. What an easy thing that we need to start doing. Yep. And and I think so. You're gonna read through a list. Let's, we have a um, 5% Friday folder and, and it's basically where when people have time, they add onto the template. Like we should put this list yes. on there so that someone actually does it. Absolutely. I know we need to, we need to practice what we preach. Uh, plan out reveals better for hardy reveal system. So you'll see when you come out to the job site today, boy, we really thought we had it all planned out. It looked cool, but there's only those sheets can only be four foot by eight by eight. So at some point you have to make, you know, yeah. the panels in between your reveals less than at least four or eight feet, depending on what dimension you're going. Right. Yeah. So we're making some field design decisions. I actually think you'll like it because it's like, it's super random. It looks really random cool. And, and cool. But for us to actually, you know, instead of one of the things I look at when I critique or redline for our guy, for our guys or gals is 
I'm trying to under you know I'm trying to cover us from a liability standpoint of like here's how the fenestration is working you know two stucco system over this and this and this yeah. right like like weather barrier resistive but really one of the things that I think we should start looking at is whether it's hardy reveal you know you have these metal reveals of like have you checked to see that we're gonna make we're gonna be less than four by eight so yep. the guys don't have to make field changes or they can at least be closer in the field yep. and then stucco reveals too. Right there's a rule of thumb for x amount of square feet you have to have expansion joints. Does that work out well? You know, are you carrying them around the building? So for the um, Hardy, normally normally I have my guys to mention them, right? Yep. So this one got mixed missed on our building, but I was talking to another developer, and we were talking about construction, and he uses the same people, and he's like, we've been using the same people for six years, and he's like, it, it's funny. How he goes, we just had a problem like a month ago that we thought we fixed five years ago. And he's like, come on guys, we already did this. So I think it, I think this is a lesson to keep in mind. Like there's always a constant vigilance. There's always a constant refining and know that even if you do do that in, in five years, this could happen again, you know, because Gresh could be leading a team and you know, like, but if somehow we can create systems that aren't too constraining, but are catching everything that that's that's the crux of it um yeah that's the hard even part. the subs forget like you said even the subs forget it whether you were like we've done this before guys five years ago yeah you know yeah like one of the toilets did you see we had the toilets space sent like in between joys and on like all of them it worked out and one of them they decided screw this because joy. here's why here's what happens is they might have brought a new guy in just for that day to fill in for Jose or Juan or whatever, you know, or Mark. Um, And then that new guy, they just, it's, they're not going to go redo stuff. I mean, that's the thing about all the, all these sub for any person who it doesn't matter if you're a con, you know, a sub or, or like a prime, like you have a fixed amount of money you and time you can do this in. So you're not going to redo stuff. So they're just going to do it. Um, The next one would be jogs and water lines. I think this is something we need to start paying attention from for future developments. But then also, uh, if if we're as we are working with other other developers for their projects, right? And if they're tapping in new water lines, reducing the amount of jogs in elevation and in plan view saves money because then what you do, because every time you change any direction, you have to put in what's known as this is a new one to me, a thrust block. So a thrust block is something that prevents separation of joints and pipe movement. Uh, transfers the resultant thrust force at a bend to the undisturbed soil behind a thrust block. In other words, as soon as they, like, let's say you have a 90 degree, you're not yep. going to have a 90 degree turn typically in, in Yeah, in it's this. like 12 and a half or something. Yeah. Let's, let's say you have an angled sure. change in, in your water line as it comes from the street to the site, something like that. Wherever they have that, they will basically encase that joint in concrete. Oh. And that's the thrust block. Okay. Um, it's it's fairly crude actually. Or anytime there's a joint, they have. So to this put is it all on. exterior talk. This is all exterior talk. Gotcha. But we so this isn't something on our drawings. It's just something we need to be better aware of. Like we really need. So if we can reduce them, because what happened is, we our plumber tried to tried to say, hey, we have a we have a big, we're gonna have to have this change order, right? Um, because of the thrust blocks. And I'll get into that later about why it's so important to hire, wh- where, where we lucked out with, an, with a big change order on that. Um, so next one would be cabinet fillers. You and I just went through this. Hilarious. Yep. We don't know about this stuff because we just 
we hadn't been on the ordering side of it. Even when I built my house, like, I don't know, my wife was in charge of the kitchen. I, I, I mean, we worked on the, we worked on the bones of it together, but I was like, babe, I just want you, I want you to go through and like figure out like, how do you want this to lay out in terms of like four drawers, two drawers, three drawers, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, I forgot to look at my home because we, we have a cabinet filler on our new project in the bathrooms on the side near the wall. I'm like, well, the hinges aren't totally on the edge. Like, are we sure we need a filler there? Like, so what, and, and where we're, where I'm, what, what this cabinet fillers line item is that we're talking about is our cabinet supplier is telling us when you have a cabinet that's right next to a wall, you can't have the cabinet right next to the wall. You have to have a little filler, maybe an inch and a half so that the doors can swing open. But when it's cabinet next to cabinet or cabinet next to um, appliance, there's enough space where the doors can open. Yep. So brand new news to us. We, we had no idea about this until we were on the supply side of things. Um, vanity depth. This, was, this one blew my mind. We're going to have to update the, the lift. Uh, 21 inches deep. Thought they were 24 the whole time. I know. Brand new. I know. Brand new. Uh, and then, what did I say here? Oh, here's the biggest, I think the biggest lesson that I have taken as a professional is if we when we do this again we're gonna do it again yep is and, and if you're thinking about taking this leap even if you're just like if you're an architect who wants to just build their own house or you just want to start with a single family home as your first development even if it's that small even if it's just an addition and that's how you start the design build i don't care you need to have a full-time foreman in addition to yourself you cannot be on the job site all the time you're already running an architecture firm. You know, you, you, you like there's no separating the two. You have to have a life, but yep. you need a full-time foreman with you who knows, who can fill in for you, who can run to the run here and there. Maybe you have an emergency and you, you have to get that inspection done on this date and you can't be there. You got to have somebody else with you. So we actually ended up basically we're going to we're hiring somebody because we are going to we are going to after this project launch design a build side of things yep um and keep the contracting thing going but man super helpful gotta have that so i i think just practically you need that just because of the amount of work but this also relates to having like a partner like a teammate right and i just listened to a podcast and they interviewed uh the author of the book never split the difference and he was an fbi negotiator he goes I, he would be negotiating and there's always a second guy listening in. He's like, why is there always a second guy listening in? He goes, there's two reasons for it. He talked about in like in negotiations and then also uh, in, in interviews is you can only comprehend so many bits of information, you know, per minute. And, and I'm just going to make up or per second, the numbers, let's say 500. When someone's communicating to you, they're communicating 1,200 pieces of information, right? So that other person will catch something that you won't catch. So like that other person will say, you know, um, th there's a hostage situation, right? And he's trying to talk to the to the guy that has the, the, the bank robber, and he didn't catch that the bank robber wants to get out of the situation, right? So like his partner will send him a note, like ask him if he wants to come out. So he's like, oh, I didn't even catch that. So like I asked him. He's like, oh, how do I do that? And then, you know, things worked out. The second thing is he talked about in, in interviews, right? <clears throat> there's interpretation. So let's say you're, I'm interviewing you, Lance, for a job. And let's say there's a fake Lance over here who's my business partner. He's better. He's <laughs> <laughs> than, than the candidate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
you, you can interpret a saying two different ways. And then what you have to do as a business partner is calibrate that, right? So what this is leading to is not only should you have two people out on the job site, right? So that they can listen and, and interpret something like we've had interpretations between me and you and, and the fire people where go, Oh, I didn't hear that. And you're like, well, I heard that. Well then let's yep. figure that out. Yeah. Right? I heard it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Exactly. So there's that. <clears throat> and then think about this. If you're not GC and I'm not relating this just as GC every projects I have myself and another guy. So when we go to P five, like I'm taking notes, Jason's taking notes. We come back, we calibrate. He'll miss things that I didn't have, and I didn't have stuff that he had. You got to, like, it, it's just, it's it's a physical law about, like, how much you can take in. And, you know, we wouldn't, we, do, we, we didn't have the capacity. So when you start something like a, a business or a blog or whatever, like the first time, the first time you're, the first time you're doing any of those things, a book, that doesn't matter, garden, I don't care. The first time is going to be the hardest. It's probably going to, you might get some dumb luck, which will kind of lead to the next thing we're talking about. Um, but I, like, I'm trying to forgive. I'm trying to forgive both of us for this, for not having, for not having that insight and not not being able to physically do it. Like we physically couldn't pay that person. We had to do. We had to get enough cash going again, and and things had to align in the right way. So if you can, if you so if you're listening and you you can. You've already you've heard our insight, right? So like we're trying to save you some time here, and, and some effort and some agony. Um, if you can position yourself to to have that foreman, you got to do it. I'm telling you, it just makes it just gonna it's gonna make your project go so much smoother, faster, better. You're you're it's gonna that foreman is gonna pay for themselves. I promise. Yep, yep. So other benefits about being on the job site. So we brought I, I was even out on the job site. Uh, we brought some of our guys. And one of the things that Mark and I did was the AC people cut holes in our joists. Like, like somehow the bigger the hole, the more money they made. Yep. <laughs> That's Just an insane thing. Insane thing. So I think we spent a whole day doing like one and a half units. And we had to cut, you know, these uh, plywood pieces. We had to glue them. We had to screw them. We, you know, had to measure everything. So it took, you know, this, this whole big experience. And the experience isn't, oh, how to cut a piece of plywood and how to glue it and screw it, which is fine. It's now, Mark, let's say you're on a job site and let's say you happen to see the the AC guy and he's cutting those big holes. You can immediately tell him like, (laughs) like me, if I was going there, I wouldn't tell my, you know, like my staff to do this, like, don't effing do that. And if they're like, what, what, what do you mean? Don't do that. Do not do that. What I, what I, what I stop that right now. No, no, exactly. What I think it is, is, is. Again, this is why, let's say you couldn't be there and Mark's there as the foreman. Okay, hey, Mark, they're going to be putting in, and the term is line sets, AC line sets today. I want you to sit, I want you to make sure you go up to the third floor and you watch him cut that first hole. Yep. And if if he's, he's, and so like, see what he does and correct him right away. Yep. Uh, So we don't have this problem because that was, like you said, it took you guys one one day to do one and a half. By the end of it, Bill and I, it took us one day to do two. It's still not that much better. What I'm getting at is this was three days of labor Yep. for, I think it was three, three or four days of labor for collectively four people, like an insane amount of work where we could have been, 
that's not really constructive work, right? That's no. repair work. Like we could have been, we could have been moving on to, oh, we're installing the door hardware. Oh, now we're we're redoing this. You know, we're fixing the stairs in 104 and 102, which we just had to do, or whatever. Yeah, litany of things. And 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 the difference between someone who hasn't done that and someone who has is, you could tell someone who hasn't done that to go up there. What's the urgency? How big should the hole be? Like how big of a deal it is for someone who just intuitively knows, like. No, like there's no argument with, with Mark out there. Like that's not how you'll do it <laughs> done. Yeah. Why? What do you know? Well, I know because I've been out here. Exactly. I don't, I don't give Yeah. And they'll give you the whole spiel about that 20 years. Shut up. Yeah. And you don't have to. And then, you know, how would you do it? You could literally like Mark get down there. Oh, I'll get the bit. I'll drill the stupid hole for you. How can you not do that? You know, like, yep, exactly. Come. What else? Alf? What else benefits? It's the main one. And that applies to. You know, that applies to every process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've talked about this before about, you know, in the, in, in previous episodes during this development about luckily lucking out, you know, and and I'll get into some examples here. That's kind of my, that's my next topic is, is, um, is lucking out, uh, and, 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 and when you can make, you know, how much design experience do you need to GC your own project from an architecture standpoint, so that you don't have any big mistakes, right? And there's lucking out examples, like some of the some of the ones where I just showed up and they were putting on these accent fins. I caught them right when they put on the first one. I go, nope, we're not, 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 not yet, guys. That's later, you know. Uh, to the AC thing, to other stuff. Um, so that's that's kind of like a big question I have for you, and I think you've already answered is like when. I think you have had you've had you had to have went through one of your project typologies and had some extensive CA work on it like we did for the other townhome projects first where we saw the mistakes part of some of them were some of them we ha- some of them you could have said they were design mistakes but you know the topography was this and that and we had to do this so then when we selected our land we were looking for something super flat stuff like that so like i think i think i think you have to get through at least one or two of those projects with somebody else and and be hired to do extensive construction administration and understand all the screw ups and the victories, and yeah. then try to learn from the screw-ups, and then add on to the victories, the the easy stuff that you did. Um, I think you have to hire the right engineers. So, like we, I feel like even though um, we ever we complain about you know whatever engineer, for this project we hired the right engineers at the civil engineers, and they defended us on the water lines. So we had this change we had to make to the water lines, and our engineers. <clears throat> saw what uh, you know they saw what we wanted to do and they they know that it's a tight budget and when they did their redesign on one of them it looked like from a plumber standpoint hey you're adding more angles and changes more thrust blocks this is going to be now it's going to be this much more money yep and then it and then our engineers defended it because they go nope here it's not it's the same amount mm-hmm. same amount and then they we didn't do that we even had the engineer come out and they billed us for like an hour's worth of time it saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. So make sure you hire the right engineers. Yep. People that aren't going to over-engineer stuff. People that are going to defend their design in the field with you. Yep. Uh, the fire alarm debacle. That was a that was a happy. Thank God. Um, everything worked out with that. So this is what Alex alluded to earlier. He heard one thing. I heard another thing. Um, we we got to the point of doing the fire sprinkler inspection and the roughs anyway. And the fire sprinkler guys go, where's your fire alarm White lines? Like, where, where's all the red wires? Yep. And we go, isn't that, didn't you guys, isn't that just all 
in one in the mechanical room, basically. And, go, and there's a strobe on the outside of the building. It's like, no, it's a it's a whole thing. Like he's like, he's like, how are you guys building? And go, what? so it was just this huge thing. Alex, we had to run to the city. Yep. And, and well, one thing you called me and you're like, do we need alarms? And this was weeks before. Yeah, alarms. And and my interpretation of this is, I went to security and I went to the police officer. My head, oh, you probably couldn't see. That totally makes sense though. Yeah, I'm like, we don't need alarms. And I even, I said, we just have like locks, like regular locks and stuff. <laughs> and then two weeks later, it comes to a head and we had to go to the city, get things worked out, you know, push some buttons. And the locking out was our electrician. When we identified this, our electrician, again, was right at the stage where he could, he, he would have been doing this in his process anyway, running, because, you know, what they do is, at least ours does, is he'll box everything out, then he'll run his uh, his uh, secondary lines, you know, for just switches to lights, then he'll run the main lines all throughout the whole building after that. Like, he's very systematic, and that's why he's actually the one of the best subs we have. So right, we caught him right when he was going to do, a week before he was going to do the main lines, and he goes, okay, well, if you guys can get me, you know, a set of rough plans or whatever, I can at least, you know, that are 95% approved, call it that. And they get, luckily the city was great. They gave us a, a working, a working permit. So they, they could at least perform the work while they did their final review and made their final comments. Um, and then, then he did them. So we, we really only lost maybe a week, which was, which was, which was good. Uh, over excavation, that was a surprise to us. So this, this was my error in not reading. I thought I had read through the soils report thorough enough and then when we got down to doing the foundation we found out because we're doing slab on grade we had to over excavate luckily luckily our our sub did that too and we ended up instead of saving money we had to spend it but it was no no big deal and then the tight tight b showers i haven't even told you about this so on the first level of one of the buildings we have to do type b level units yeah and the good thing about that was we had some clients come in and they they made their own purchase order change and they wanted to change to make showers because we had enough clearance with the type B, they could have their they could have their actual little suite in the on the first floor. Yep. Going back to the overex, the whole digging overex and founding foundations and footings actually took longer than I anticipated. Um, so Sarah was in the office and there was this company that went out of business in Pennsylvania. But did you know that they cast in the factory the foundations? I didn't ask about the footers and then ship them. And Jason's like, yeah, that's what we did with our house. Yeah, I've heard of that. So anyways, what I'm getting to is like, oh, you know, panelized more, more, th- more there's oh, a more, that's the biggest thing that, uh, one of the big, one of the thing, my, like, I feel like I've telling my wife, like I, now I feel like it's a life mission. I feel like now I'm on a life mission. Tim McGinty is a listener of this podcast. He's in the Ontario architect community. He's doing these really cool net zero homes. Yeah. And I want to, I told her last time, like, I want to fly him out. Have him on the podcast, number one, once the, once we, once the new space is finished mm-hmm. and furnished, and then show him the shop and say, hey, you're doing panelized stuff. Could we hire you for as a, on a consultant basis, or would you be willing to work with us? We'll bring this to the Midwest. Yep. However, we can re- however, we can do multiple things at once that are getting done in the field and in the inside where it's a protected space. God, I'm just you. We'd cut down time. We'd cut down liability. Yep. We wouldn't be dealing with you know squirrely subcontractors. It would just go much better. I I I feel like the life mission to to get these buildings to be at least semi prefabricated. Yeah. 
yeah, just I, 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 the next step, I think you could, and, and I don't know what the, what the rub is because some of these companies that are doing like full prefab and getting tech funding, I heard, I can't remember from who, but they're actually running into trouble. Like it's not working out. So I think it's almost just an incremental improvement rather than like a, a full scale thing. But what do I know? We'll see how it goes. We'll let you know. Keep following us on inside the firm and we'll let you know if we uh, implement some of these. Absolutely. Oh, so here's my question to you. Uh Oh, he's got a question for me. Framing inspections are coming today for that one unit. Yep. Then you said is insulation next? That's the goal. So we, so yeah. So, so what it is, is it's, I'm calling for a full rough inspection on one unit, rough everything. And then the two addendums to that are fire blocking and fire caulking. Um, so they're going to do those two. Those are already done. We already did the fire caulking and they did the fire blocking. I've had the insulator out there. The insulator yep. is doing like a pre-pass on everything where he's doing all the fire blocking, mis- yep. like little stuff where like he can do it, but he, he's not covering anything up that they can't inspect. Well, here's my question then. Before the ins- insulation goes in, do you need a firewall check on that, that firewall? We're also doing that too. Today? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a full, so basically what it is, is, is I, I don't have the checklist in front of me, but it's all the stuff out yep. to the point where I, the inspector will be done and I'll go, okay, hopefully I'll sign off on everything. Just one unit. We're just testing one out, right? Because yep. it's just like the fundamental crap that we talk about on this podcast all the time. Test, test it once, get it, get it done the right way, then multiply. Yep. Right. That's yep. just basic business, basic, basic success, setting yourself up for success in life. Yep. And then I'm going to ask him, okay, can they insulate now? Yep. And then hopefully, and then he's like, yeah, go, go insulate. And then we have the prototype. Boom. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to have, then we're going to line up the next three for Monday and we're going to keep rolling every three days. So are you hoping that we can do that strategy on everyone? Meaning like, so I saw the insulation, the red stuff along the center of the base plate and some of it got like very like spotty where, you know, like, I don't even know if that's doing anything, but if he's coming back, we could say patch that up Yes. and then do and then once we get that, you know, obviously the other ones will be working behind it, but like, okay, do the blower door test for one. So if it fails, yeah, you know, then we <laughs> yep. no good for the other ones. Yeah. So cool. Yep. yep. Super exciting. Super exciting. You know, it's really exciting. I do. What, what is it? It's our friend, Nick. Nick reads. Here we go. Let's listen to him. Hello, best friends. It's been far too long. I'm glad to be back with you all. And I have an amazing grouping of words for you today. A reading. How do I deal with setbacks, failures, delays, defeats, and other disasters? I actually have a fairly simple way of dealing with these situations, summed up in one word. Good. This is something that one of my direct subordinates, one of the guys who worked for me, a guy who would become one of my best friends, pointed out. He would pull me aside with some major problem or issue that was going on, and he'd say, Boss, we've got this thing, this situation, and it's going terribly wrong. I would look at him and say, Good. And finally one day he was telling me about something that was going off the rails. And as soon as he finished explaining it to me, he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I asked, what am I going to say? And he said, you're going to say, 
good. He continued, That's what you always say when something is wrong or going bad. You just look at me and say, good. And I said, Well, I mean it, because that's how I operate. So I explained to him that when things are going bad, there's going to be some good that will come from it. Oh, the mission got canceled? Good. We can focus on another one. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. We can keep it simple. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Didn't get funded? Good. We own more of the company. Didn't get the job you wanted? Good. Go out, gain more experience, and build a better resume. Got injured? Good. Needed a break from training. Got tapped out? Good. It's better to get tapped out in training than tapped out on the street. Got beat? Good. We learned. Unexpected problems? Good. We have to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get bummed out. Don't get startled. Don't get frustrated. No. Just look at the issue and say, good. Now, I don't mean to say something trite. I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Smiley Positive Guy. That guy ignores the hard truth. That guy thinks a positive attitude will solve problems. It won't. But neither will dwelling on the problem. No. Accept reality. But focus on the solution. Take that issue, take that setback, take that problem, and turn it into something good. Go forward. And if you're part of a team, that attitude will spread throughout. Finally, if you can say the word good, then guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, that means you've still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out on the attack. Jocko Willink. There is nothing that came about good with the, with the rain, I'm telling you. So there is absolutely nothing there, that happened that was good with the rain on our job site as a result of the rain. I, I, there, you can't convince me. I'll convince you right now. You ready? Yeah. I, in two to three years, when we have a panelized interior construction system that will be good, I'd be like, yeah, it was all because you were so pissed at the rain. That might be. There you go. I, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. And the, the other thing might be that instead of hiring a, a plumbing outfit that does trench, they trench in their lines that if they horizontally drill them, then you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like oil field. Cause that's what they did with our gas lines. Those people aren't slowed down by the weather. Um, so yeah. I think, I think that might be a like, Oh, well then look, if Colorado's not going to participate, if Colorado's not going to cooperate with us weather wise, which it didn't this year, it's just like, I swear every single time Alex and I are building except for the t- tiny house too. So tiny house one. And then this development, why does it rain on us? Like it, it purposely does this it purposely does this it just like what is with the rain like any other year if we would have built any other year it was just like we're in a drought and now all of a sudden an insane amount of there's parts of colorado that have a thousand percent 
snowfall slash rainfall this year. Yeah, uh, it's it's in, it's insane. Yep. But I think this goes deeper. So think about attitude. I'm not going to name names on this, but I know someone who was mad at a job site because they had to redo something, right? So you can take the attitude and be pissy about it and let that spiral and that negatively spiral and ruin your day and ruin what you're doing and whatever. Or you can say, okay, I had to redo something. What did I learn? You know, like some, what, what, what good could come from that, right? What good can come from that is that if you're doing something repeatedly, maybe go have it checked after the first one. So now, you know, like in the future, I learned that, holy cow, I can avoid this, right? Um, so like, and then the other thing is you, you have to, why, why, why be, be pissy about it? Like if you have to redo it, I just don't understand the, the dwelling too much on, on, on something. So it, it's, well, it, it, it's, it's also, okay. This is what I was trying to say. Let's say you're the boss and I did something. I did five things wrong. Right. And you're like, you got to redo them all. You could be pissed at me. Right. And I could be pissed at myself. But what, what, what should happen is you should think like, well, good. Now I know that. I forgot as Lance, the boss, that I'm supposed to go and, and see what they're doing and then check up on it. So now everything goes, goes smoother. So now in the future, the project is going to go smoother. Right. And then now me, I just learned something too. So I learned how to do it the right way. So good. So good. What has been good is like, uh, the electrical changes. I, I, those have been good. Every time, you know, the elect, the electrician is very, all these subs are very, um, they're just very, they're very worried, you know, they're very worried about this things. Oh, plumbers are like, oh, no, like, I don't know if that's going to work structurally. Like, I'm not like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about that. You know, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Same thing, electrician, you know, they're so worried about this, that, and the other. And then like, I'll, you know, they'll have questions. You could just tell like they are, they're like just worried. And I'll go, so it's like one, the shop yesterday, we had three outlets on a wall on the wall that's going to be birch plywood. And, uh, and now that we know it's going to be birch plywood and now that I've worked in there at least for one day with the tiny house that we were building, I was like, we don't want any outlets there. And I go, and he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I go, just put, take those and put them on this wall and gang them all up together. And I go, that's easier, right? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I've actually been making like people like him or the plumbers or the HVAC, you know, they'll be worried. And I'm like, yeah, just do that. We're good now, right? Easier? Yeah, good, 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 good. Perfect. Good, 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 awesome. Good. Um, if you want to make your life good and you're working uh, in an architecture firm, you should work in Revit. And Revit is a hard program to learn. So make your life a little bit easier and go to RevitRocketShip.com where yours truly, myself, Lance Psycho, teach you not only how to do families, but how to do projects. And we also give you our template that we use and we update all the time, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, so that you can work more effectively and quickly and do better and more good projects. Beautiful. So, Revit Furniture, RevitRocketShip.com. If you liked what you heard in this podcast today and you want to spare, shed, or share some goodwill with everybody, uh, please share this uh, episode with a friend and leave us a five-star review in iTunes. It was good to have you guys back with us inside the firm after a four or five week hiatus, something like that. So.